This morning we'll be looking at Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. This is the healing of the demon-possessed man. As you're turning there, let's uh, bow in prayer. Father, we pray that as we turn to your word that you would bless it. We pray that what would be said would be glorifying to you, it would be in accord with your word and what is meant there. And that would be applied properly, that we would take it and cling to it as it is right and good in whatever way it is. That you would bless this, Holy Spirit. In this we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured, then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Ascends the reading of God's word. People of God, it seems as if our world is obsessed with superheroes, with those who can do supernatural things. You just need to look at every movie that seems to come out right now, and it's about someone who is someone who's blessed with some kind of special gift and able to do things that others can't. There are the whole movie franchises that have been built on these movies of superheroes, of, of comic books. We like to think and read about people who do amazing things or, dare we say, supernatural things. And this obsession has been capitalized on by many in, the, in Hollywood. You can take the Marvel movie franchise and over, I mean, this isn't even up to date, over six months ago or something. If you took all the movies that Marvel had made, they've grossed more than like $10 billion. We're obsessed with this kind of thing, it seems. But what makes this passage amazing is that this actually happened. 
You see, if I'm being honest, one of the reasons I'm drawn to this passage is because in it, we see Jesus and we see power here. We see something that we don't normally see. And this isn't exactly accurate, but I've always seen this as like, this is like Jesus being a superhero now. Obviously, if superheroes aren't real, but you get what I'm saying. We, get, we see Jesus functioning in such a supernatural way and exuding so much power and authority. Then we have to ask, what does this mean? What's going on in this passage? Is Jesus just flexing his muscles? Is he just showing his authority? What's going on? Well, what we see from this passage is that Jesus' authority over demons reveals the kingdom. That's a broad statement that can apply to many passages, but here it's that Jesus' authority over demons reveals the kingdom. And it does that through his identity, his purpose, and his result. And that's what we'll be looking at this morning. Jesus' kingdom revealed through his identity in dealing with the demons, his purpose in coming to this land, and the result that his coming to this land brought. As we situate ourselves in this text, we need to understand that this is in the Gospel of Luke. And in the beginning of Luke, we're given a reason why this Gospel was written. In Luke 1, verse 4, it says, writing to Theophilus, Luke says, he's writing, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. That's why Luke's writing, that you have certainty concerning what you've been taught. And specifically here, it would be certainty concerning Jesus' identity, his purpose, his result, all leading and showing the kingdom, showing what Jesus has come to do. So first, we look at Jesus' identity. We can see Jesus' identity in the demon's reaction. The text says that they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And the reason this is important is to know that this region of the Gerasenes is a Gentile land. Jesus is stepping out of the promised land or the, where the Israelites were living and have gone into a Gentile land, a, man, a land of, of a mixed ethnicity. And this is also clearly shown in the narrative when the first person he encounters is a demon-possessed man who is living in tombs, and then the next living ant creatures near them are herds of pigs, which are unclean in Israel. So Jesus has stepped out of the promised land and into this Gentile land. And when Jesus encounters this man with a demon... He asks for his name, and the man says, Legion. Legion, for many demons had entered him. In this text, we see a man possessed by more demons than we see really anywhere else. We would be speculating to show how to ask how many demons are there. It doesn't matter. All we know is that there is a lot of demons here that have possessed this man and have caused this man to become a terror to the countryside, a terror to the city. They tried to bind him, and he couldn't be bound. He broke chains. You just put yourself in this situation. You'd avoid this region that he lives in. It's tombs, yes, but you wouldn't want to go there because this demon-possessed man is there, causing this trouble. How afraid would you be of this man? And yet, this man, or we could almost more specifically say these demons, rush to Jesus, fall down before him, and are at his mercy. And they beg that he would not command them to depart into the abyss. That he would not judge them because these demons know who Jesus is. 
We see Jesus' identity clearly in the demon's confession. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? These demons speaking through this man know exactly who is before them. What's interesting, too, is demons are not these beings that you just trifle with. They are powerful beings. No one could bind them as we saw. But more than that, as you look all through God's word, demons would terrorize situations, terrorize towns, terrorize people, and no one could do anything about them. There's even an account in Acts where some false teachers were trying to drive out demons and these demons stripped the false teachers because they, weren't, they didn't have the authority. They didn't speak in Jesus' name and they couldn't drive them out. Demons know who is who. And so the very fact that they come and bow down to this man in terror show who Jesus is. Show that Jesus is the one who has come to set up the kingdom. We also see this in the whole context of this chapter. The passage or the narrative that precedes this is when Jesus calms the storm. He reaches out and the storm ceases and the lake as they are crossing it becomes calm. Something that is impossible apart from God's power. And the disciples who saw this say, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? They ask this question, Who is Jesus? Who can do this? And then in our passage, the demons actually answer it, Son of the Most High God. As we look at chapter 8, Jesus shows his authority over nature and calming the sea. In the previous story, Jesus shows his authority over the supernatural in our passage by driving these demons out. And in the following story, Jesus shows his authority over disease and death. Nature, supernatural, death. Jesus has authority over these things. And the disciples asked, who is this man? The demons answer it. Because Jesus has this authority, it shows that he must be the righteous anointed one. A false prophet can't do these things. But Jesus can. He must be the king inaugurating the kingdom. Because what he's doing is he's taking the powers of sin that are, and, and the devil that have taken this world and he's seizing it and taking it away. He's showing that, no, this is my creation. He's showing that these spirits that had plagued you are underneath my authority. And in the following narratives, he shows that disease and death are under his authority. Jesus is this kingdom inaugurator. He has come to seize the devil's rule and power, and we see that begin here as he attacks the devil's minions, which then leads into Jesus' purpose. How does this passage show Jesus' purpose? And to answer that, we have to backtrack again into Luke. In Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 30, Jesus preaches a sermon at Nazareth, his hometown. And this event that happens is something that characterizes Jesus' ministry and provides a lens in which to see the rest of the gospel. Why did Jesus come? What was his purpose? And in this passage, Jesus reads from Isaiah, applying it to himself. And I want to read that in Luke chapter 4 right now. Jesus reads from Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners 
and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he had rolled up the scroll and said, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So in Luke 4, we see why Jesus came. To proclaim good news, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, delivery of sight to the blind, freedom to prisoners. Well, who fits this more than this demon-possessed man? Who is more blind than one who has a legion of demons and can't see? Who is more imprisoned than one who has a legion of demons within them? Who is so poor that they run around naked, controlled by others? That is what this demon-possessed man is. Jesus so clearly shows why he has come in encountering this man. And this passage is proclaiming in a stark way what is true of all of us. Sure, we weren't inhabited by a legion of demons. But what this passage is showing is that for all those outside of Christ, for all those outside of his kingdom, this is what it is. This is the danger. This is where it ends up. Enslaved to the devil, enslaved to sin, prisoners. Prisoners. That's what it is. That's what it is to be outside of God's kingdom. And we see that in our own lives. We see what we have been saved from. We see that we've been brought into a kingdom that has saved us from the terrorization of the devil, that has saved us from sin itself. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and seized the rule, bound the devil, and set up his church, and which we are all part of. And this is that good news of deliverance, because all of us are poor in spirit. All of us are prisoners. And this man is a clear picture of that. You know, sometimes we can think that the devil and his kingdom are so powerful that there in the Old Testament was this, this battle going and waging, this deadlock that neither none, one couldn't overcome the other, but that's not exactly true. Jesus possesses all authority and the demons know it. Our side, in essence, wins. And the other side knows it. Do we know it? Do we live with that joy and that knowledge that the battle is won in Jesus? Yes, we have to fight. Our task is not over, but ultimately the victory is won. Ultimately, what we need to see is that this is our Savior. The disciples asked, who is this that commands wind and water? Well, this passage is making us ask, who is this that demons flee before? It's the one we profess our faith in. And it's as Luke 1 says, so that we might have certainty concerning what's been taught us. So this is Jesus' purpose. We saw his identity and his purpose. And his, Jesus' authority over demons reveals the kingdom through his identity, through his purpose. But now what results? What's the result of this? And the first matter we come to is the strange thing of the pigs. Now, I wish I could give a real strong answer as to what's going on here. This is a, a difficult text. There are many possibilities and meanings as to 
why does Jesus allow these demons to go to the pigs and, and what's even being you know, illustrated here? And there's a lot of speculative answers which I wouldn't even be comfortable in giving. I think what we would need to say is, as a, a possible answer is that certainly Jesus knew and, and saw that this demon-possessed man was more important than a herd of pigs, that there is some kind of illustration of judgment perhaps on these demons going on, but to say more than that is, is, is speculative. But what results do we know for sure from this text? Because that's ultimately not the text's point. It's not really interested in saying this is the reason why they went into the pigs. The results that the passage is more focused on and what we can see is in the city and then in the demon-possessed man. And so the result of the city, how do the surrounding region respond? Well, we see that the pig herders who saw it were afraid. And then verse 37 shows what their fear led them to do. All the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. But wait a second, I thought we liked superheroes, didn't we? I mean, what they would have seen would just have been what no one else can do in power that no one else possesses. Why didn't they get Jesus and bring him over and set up a whole comic book series and, and parade him around and say, this is our superhero and make money off of him and do all the things we would think you would do with a supernatural being? Why would you ask a supernatural being to leave and flee from you? Well, because supernatural is only cool on TV. If you confront it in, the, in your life, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And they're afraid, and it's interesting that what they are also afraid of is that the man, the demon-possessed man, is in his right mind and clothed. They see what Jesus did, and they're gripped with fear. And they ask him to leave. The people of the town felt more safe and were more content with a legion of demons in their midst than Christ. In, in essence, the city was more comfortable with the devil than with God. We saw earlier how scary it would be to have this demon-possessed man in your region, but they wanted that more than they wanted Jesus. And we see the response of the world here. We see that there is no amount of evidence that we can bring to make someone believe. What greater witness could there be to a people than Jesus doing this in their midst and they don't accept it? They're not doubting the truth of it, they just want him gone. And again, we can see what grace it is that we are no different why are we saved? Why do we accept Jesus as our Savior? Well, it's because he's doing what he did to this demon-possessed man to us. In all the gospel accounts in Matthew Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke that bring this story, Jesus sails across the sea, heals this demon-possessed man, and then leaves. That's all he does. Heals this one man and goes. That's what he does to each and every one of us. That's why this man is able to accept it, because Jesus worked in him. And we are able to accept it because he works in us. And if we don't, we will ask Jesus to leave us. The grace that the kingdom of God brings, the result that it brings, 
is twofold. It's grace to this demon-possessed man, but it's also, in a sense, a judgment to the city that rejects him. These are the results God's kingdom brings in. Division, but a, a good division. Salvation and justice. Something that this world sorely needs. The people of the city were just as blind and enslaved as the demon-possessed man was. In fact, at the end of it, they're more so. Because this demon-possessed man asked to go with Jesus. And that's the final result that we look for. There are three requests, three requests in this passage. The demons ask to be sent to the pigs, and Jesus grants it. The city asks Jesus to leave, and he does. But the man asks Jesus if he could go with him, and Jesus says no. Why would this be? You would think, well, wait a second. Jesus, you say to follow you in, in your word. And this is what this man's saying, follow me. Well, what Jesus is saying is, no, you need to follow me in your region where you're at here. Jesus is leaving a gospel worker someone to plant in his kingdom. He's sowing seed, and this demon-possessed man is the seed that produces a hundredfold. Because what, God kingdom, what, what God's kingdom brings in is a task. We get the task. The man had begged Jesus to go with, but Jesus says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. That's his task. Tell how much God has done for you. This is our task, people of God. Not only in, in actually verbally saying that to others and bearing witness, but in our lives. Notice that the whole region was scared of this man simply seeing his transformed life. Seeing that now he was in his right mind and this made them look straight to Jesus. Well, if our life is transformed, the same thing happens. As we live a life of proclaiming what God has done for us in our actions and our deeds, people will look straight to Christ. That's how it works, that we bear witness to him. And this man was a living witness. Jesus talks about the kingdom as a mustard seed. That's the smallest of seeds and then grows, and grows into the biggest of trees. Well, it's starting small here in this man. We're actually part of this legacy, this legacy of the kingdom that Jesus brought in some 2,000 years ago. And the purpose of all this is seen very clearly in Luke 11.20. Luke 11.20, Jesus says, But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If it is by a king, the finger of God that I, pass, that I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And this is the certainty that we have concerning Jesus' coming. Who is he? He's the one in whose name devils tremble. He's the one who came to preach the good news of deliverance to the poor and those who need it. Ultimately, who is he? He's our king. He's our savior. And what more could we ask for? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for what we see here. How we see that your word declares the coming of the kingdom of which we are a part by your grace. 
how we see what Jesus accomplished and is still accomplishing, not only in a man who was possessed by demons, but in us, who you saved and who are still your kingdom workers. We're still called to live and to declare how much you have done for us. Lord, we thank you in giving us this word, and we pray that we would allow it and live according to it, that it would give us joy as we go about our, our living, and that it would also give us a mandate and a task that we have and that we all possess. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.